Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and this week we had an in-person service, and it was awesome. Uh, it was great to see everyone who could make it. I know we had a number of families who have been isolating because of COVID cases in the family. We're praying that you stay healthy and stay safe, um, but we had a great time. It was with lots and lots of fun. If you did miss it, make sure you check our website for all the upcoming gatherings in April. We'd love to have you with us. And uh, we're counting down to Easter weekend, which is going to be lots and lots and lots of fun. We've got lots happening there. So let's get right into it today. Well, it's been four weeks since our last in-person service. And over the last few weeks, we've been focusing on John chapter 15. This is where Jesus calls himself the true vine. And we are the branches. Um, We spoke about being an agile church to kind of start things off at our last in-person service. And Jesus says this in verse 4 of John 15, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. In the English Standard Version, it says it this way, Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. So we've been sharing about remaining and abiding in Jesus. And we've noted that in order to abide in Jesus, we must remain in his word and prayer, remain in his love with obedience, and remain filled with his joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, remaining in his word and prayer, meaning we are abiding in his words, in his words, and praying according to his words, and remaining in his love with obedience, Jesus says in verse 10 of John 15, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. So, our obedience is fueled by his love, not fear or persuasion from a church leader, but fueled by his love. And his love is then poured out on us even more so as we continue to obey. It's a bit like a water mill, you know, those big uh, water mills that are, you know, they start moving by the flow of water and they, they keep moving and moving and moving. That's like the, the, the power of the love of Christ pushing us and, and um, compelling us towards obedience. And then as we obey, uh, his love even pours out on us more so. And it's just this great forward momentum. And lastly, we remain filled with his joy through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Joy in the face of uncertainty, joy in the face of trials, joy that overflows out of us, and joy in the face of all sorts of things. So, And we're not talking about um, an ignorance or or giddiness. No, we're talking about supernatural joy. And if you study uh, the, the definition of that word joy, you find that it means to have a calm delight and to be filled with cheerfulness. Uh, And I believe that we remain in joy through gratitude. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 19, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So having gratitude and joy, cheerfulness in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says, remain in me. And last week, we spoke about loving one another. It says in verse 12 and 13 of John 15, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
So this is the benchmark here, the laying down of my life for others, the laying down of my pride, my agenda. Uh, And right now, everything is fresh and easy in our new church. We haven't been offended yet. Uh, Just give us a couple weeks. It'll probably happen. But uh, we can all make a decision today to love one another, even when it gets difficult, even after the honeymoon has passed. Or even if the pastors don't change the morning service start time, you know what I mean? But the point is, is we're bringing emphasis here of how Jesus says, remain in me, abide in me, and loving one another as we do so. So today I want to conclude our series by focusing on what Jesus says in verse 2 of John 15. He says this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Jesus says he prunes the branches. Pruning. Oh boy, how encouraging. I know what you're thinking right now. I have tuned into the podcast. I went to in-person church only to hear the pastor tell me about how much God wants to prune me. Great. Or maybe you're thinking the only thing that needs pruning right now is the preacher's hair, right? But hey, regardless of what you're thinking, pruning is part of our discipleship journey with Jesus. Now, what is pruning? Well, this is obviously, it's a metaphor. It's, it's a, a, an allegory, a picture that Jesus uses to help us understand uh, what life with him looks like. And when a farmer is preparing their crops for future fruitfulness, um, they, they go through pruning. They cut off all the old stuff. Uh, and the idea around this, the principle around this, is the, the idea of taking off the old to make room for new growth. And pruning is part of our discipleship journey with Jesus. Now, just for clarity, at Everyone Church, we define the word discipleship as your intentional journey toward spiritual maturity. Now, discipleship is not a a program or a small group. It's a pursuit. It's a journey. It's your pursuit. It's your journey. You know, a pastor uh, can't pursue spiritual maturity or pursue Christ or pursue growing in him on your behalf. You know, just like a personal trainer can't make you diet after you attend a personal training session, right? Yeah, they can make you do burpees and push-ups when you're with them, but as soon as you get home, hey, it's on you. And discipleship is your following of Jesus and becoming like him. And yes, people are part of that, of course, but it's your pursuit of spiritual maturity and growing up. In God, And if we are to grow up in God, we will go through seasons of pruning, of correction, of discomfort, of shaping and molding our thoughts and attitudes. And sometimes it might look like reduction. It might seem like a lack of progress, but it's not. And the reason why we think that way is because we often define success in, in Christianity, in, in, in the Lord, by external things only. Oh, look at how much, how many Chapters of my Bible I read this week. Oh, look at my Instagram followers. Oh, look at, I wrote two worship songs this week. Oh, look at my business is booming. Everything must be great. But when we think of pruning, uh, we often, um, we think, sometimes we might think, oh, yeah, I want uh, to be pruned by the Lord. I want to be shaped by the Lord. But what we're really wanting is trimming. Because uh, trimming is all about looks and aesthetic, like those hedges that get trimmed. But pruning is all about health. 
and maintaining. And it's about stripping things back. We don't like stripping things back and being taken to a place where all we have is Jesus. Uh, But here's the point, is that God wants you to produce fruit. And that fruit is Christ-likeness. It's not just souls or or ministry stats. No, no, no. It's not just business profits. It's Christ-likeness likeness, being like him. And the journey toward Christ-likeness requires pruning and that stripping away of the of the things in my life that don't look like Jesus. And pruning is actually a mark of belonging to Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 that God disciplines the ones he loves. And because he loves you and you belong to him, you'll go through seasons of of pruning. And also Jesus actually says that pruning is a mark of fruitfulness. He says he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So even if you feel like you're maturing well and everything's great, get ready because you are going to go through seasons of shaping and molding and pruning. In fact, if you never get a sense of being pruned in your life or being shaped by the Lord in your life, well that's a concern because an unchallenged heart is often one that lacks character. Okay, uh, have you ever met those people that just seems like everything is perfect all the time? Hey, how you going? Oh, great, mate! Everything's fantastic. It's like, look, I'm not saying that we 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 shouldn't be positive. Of course, we should. We we we're nowhere in God's hand. But pruning is part of our discipleship journey. Are you encouraged yet? Okay, don't worry, it, it gets better. You know, sometimes um, when my son Roger, who who turned two this week, uh, he he might wake up in, in the night sometimes upset, particularly if he's sick or something, and he'll start calling out, Mommy, Daddy. And, you know, we tend to err on the side of not going to comfort him because he's just got to learn to resettle and all that kind of stuff. But there are the occasions where, you know what, he needs a good hug. So uh, most of the times it's Mom. I'll admit that right here, okay? But sometimes it's me. And I'll go in and it'll be dark, he'll be upset, tears in his eyes, and I'll... Open his little door and he'll I'll go in and he won't realize who it is because he can't see. And then I'll pick him up in the midst of his uh, being upset and not knowing what's going on. And I'll just say to him, it's okay, Roggie. It's dad. Dad's here. And I'll pick him up and I'll hug him. And it's within moments he's back asleep again. And then I got to try and sneakily put him back down in his bed without him noticing, which is often uh, very, very difficult. But I think it's our role as children of God, as followers of Jesus, to recognize, to learn and grow in our recognition of the voice and the hand of God in our lives. And when we do, uh, we stop fighting and feeling anxious and we start to rest knowing that God is in control. And there are areas in my life that God uses to prune me, okay? And one area is the area of trials and suffering. Now, we don't like saying those words, trials and suffering. Oh, my goodness. But it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now, that word everything, or if you read another translations, God, for all things work together for the good of those who love him. Now, that word, all things, everything, Paul is actually referring to trials and persecution and suffering and all those kinds of things. Now, following Jesus does not make life void of suffering and trials, but life with Jesus is never void of hope. 
and love and joy in the Holy Spirit, despite those circumstances. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So, you know, that's a perspective there, that these issues that we run into, these trials, we can view them with a sense of rejoicing because they're developing something in us. They're pruning us. God is using them for our benefit. You know, Maria and I have gone through trials. Uh, You probably have too. We've gone through seasons of suffering and grief and loss, and it wasn't easy at the time, but it actually has helped us grow. And God makes use of trials and suffering to help us grow. He is very efficient. God doesn't waste any of your tears. Uh, Suffering, you know, it's a massive topic, and I encourage you to grow in your understanding uh, theologically of how that works, God and suffering, because I know sometimes we can confuse life and God and feel like if I have a, a down part in my life, that that means God must be against me or something. That's not the case. If you want resources on how to grow in in your understanding of that huge topic of suffering, I'd love to equip you. Let me know. Email me. But I will say this. I would rather trust God with my trials than sit there wondering who is causing it. Like, let's not give the devil more credit than he deserves. Oh, the devil's attacking me. Oh, this is a d- demonic attack. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that sometimes it might not be, but sometimes things happen to us because it's our own responsibility. Sometimes things happen that aren't. But the point is we need to run the Jesus in the midst of it and see God's hand and voice in the midst of our trials and suffering. So God makes use of those to prune us. Another area that God makes use to prune us is in seasons of transition and change. And this is important to note because every person in our church right now is in a season of transition and change. I mean, we're a new faith community. Uh, People are coming from all different places. Even Maria and I are in a season of transition and change. And sometimes that season lasts a long time. Uh, it's it's and it's uncomfortable, right? And so, without a doubt, God is pruning you right now. He might be pruning you of past support networks and relationships. He might be pruning you of past mindsets and opinions or past hurts and offenses. Don't think God just moves you because you were right and they were wrong. Right? Sometimes God moves you to show you how you could have been better. And by His grace, He allows you to flourish in a new place. And all of this is setting you up for a future of fruitfulness, for future Christ-likeness. Remember, the goal of stripping away the old things is to make room for new, right? Uh, My wife and I um, bought a mandarin tree uh, last year um, during lockdown, well, just before lockdown. And when we were planting it, I remember the, the, the lady at the plant store said to us, when you plant this right away, you need to prune it to help spur on new growth, help it settle in. And I just think that's just so indicative of transitions and change. You know, when we move, God uses that as an opportunity to prune us, to shape us, and let's recognize God's hand and God's voice in those seasons. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, 
Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 24. So God makes use of trials and suffering to prune us. He also makes use of seasons of transition and change. And another area God uses to prune us is people. Yes, people, friends, mentors, parents, work colleagues. You know, God uses the people around me to help achieve his purposes within me. Never underestimate the power of an annoying person in your life. I mean, someone testing your patience. Well, great. God is using that person to help develop patience in you. He makes use of those things. He works all things for the good of those who love him. So you can view negative people or emotions or or enemies. Uh, you can view them as this thing that's attacking you, or you can view them as reminders and refiners and an instrument in your life that God can make use of to make you better because he works all things for good for those who love him. And when we begin to recognize that God is doing a work in us, uh, now it's up to us to respond in the right way. Uh, It's a test. Life is a great big test sometimes. And what do you think God is pruning off in your life in this season? And how have you been responding to it? So let me close with this thought. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about a personal issue that he's struggling with. And he refers to this as a thorn in the flesh. And there's been much debate about what he means by this. It could be a mental health issue. It could be... a bad hip, it could be a, a person or a situation. The truth is, we don't know. And anybody who claims to know is is overclaiming, to be honest. But uh, what we do know is that it was something that really bothered him. And he mentions it in a way that seems like uh, those who are reading uh, 2 Corinthians know what he's talking about. But let's look at his perspective on this thorn in the flesh. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. That's that thorn in the flesh, he calls it. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Like, come on, just because you feel cut down doesn't mean you've been cut off. Just because you feel raw and restless doesn't mean you've been rejected. And just because you feel down and done doesn't mean that God is done with you. He isn't finished with you. This is a setup, man. This is God is setting you up because he loves you. He's setting you up for a future of fruitfulness. And there is going to be a, a day, one day, I believe, that you will look back and thank God that he took you through that. Thank God that he didn't leave you where you were. Thank God that his grace was all you needed and his power was sufficient. You know, thank God that I went through it, but it didn't get through me. Amen. Well, I'd love to pray for you today. 
specifically about this topic of being pruned. And maybe you, as we've been sharing, you can recognize areas of your life, whether it's in trials and suffering or, or seasons of transition and change, or even people in your life where you can look and see, man, I think God is using this. Maybe there's been a, ch- a shift in perspective today, which would be amazing, that where you can look and, and instead of complaining, instead of being annoyed, you can look and say, I think God might be using this to help make me more Christ-like and produce more fruit for His glory. So let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for every person in everyone church and anybody who might just be listening and checking in. And Lord, I pray that you would help us see your hand, help us hear your voice, and help us become more like you. Lord, help us endure where we need to endure. Lord, help faith rise up in us where it needs to rise up. And we just commit everything to your hand. We say we trust you. We trust that you're in control and we ask that you would help us move forward. And I thank you that you're setting us up for a future of fruitfulness for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, if you want to know more about Jesus or you even want to know more about our church, head to our website. We would love to help you and uh, we hope to see you around sometime. We've got loads of gatherings and events happening next month, uh, including counting down to Easter weekend. We're really excited about it. Hope you have a great week. Thank you.